And it's Ari Rosenbaum with here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. And our uh, subject of the week is, you know, how a 4K plan sponsor can be proactive. And of course, first things first, let's talk about some of the live events that are coming up. July 28th, that's a Wednesday. There's going to be that 4K networking uh, event plus uh, Mets game. Mets take on the Atlanta Braves. 150 bucks gets you food ticket in the Honda Club, which is a secluded area behind the right field fence. Uh, as always, go to that 4 for further information and how you can sign up and be a part of it. In terms of uh, other information, uh, you know, we have events coming up live in uh, St. Louis, uh, Minneapolis, and Houston. St. Louis is going to be on Friday, September 10th. Uh, Minneapolis is going to be Friday, September 24th. Houston will be on Wednesday, September 29th. Go to that 4 for further information on how you can sign up and be a part of these events. 100 bucks gets you in. Five hours of content from other plan providers. Stadium tour, meet and greet with a baseball great. We just uh, booked for St. Louis. Uh, the mad Hungarian, Al Roboski. Um, uh, Al Roboski was a former Cardinal Cardinal Royal Atlanta Brave, um, and he's a current uh, broadcaster of the Cardinals, I think since 1985. Uh, should be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, he's the mad Hungarian, and quite honestly, I'm related to quite a few crazy Hungarians, but that's neither here nor there. Go to that 4 for further information. Uh, so please uh, be a part of that. And... In terms of uh, this week's topic, you know, as an ERISA attorney, you know, a big part of my job is cleaning up the errors committed by planned sponsors. And, you know, the reason uh, I find so many errors with planned sponsors is that they are reactive. They are not proactive. And, you know, the reason why planned sponsors should be proactive is, you know, pretty much the reason why... um, you know, people vaccinate themselves. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole anti-vax thing, but, you know, I'm a pro-vax guy. Um, you know, there's a reason why, you, you, you know, kids have to take their measles, mumps, polio, rubella, chicken pox, uh, and, of course, you know, not required, but a good idea is the flu vaccine annually. That's just my two cents. I'm not trying to make a political debate. Um you know, I, my kids got the chicken pox shot, uh, chicken pox shot, and when, I think, I, I don't know if you look at my forehead, if you still see it, but, you know, I have lesions still from the time I had chicken pox when I was five years old. Wasn't a lot of fun, and that's probably why I'm pro, pro-vax, but that's neither here nor there. Um... Quite honestly, a 401k plan sponsor that is going to be proactive in dealing with their plans is going to be less likely to have some catastrophic errors and threats of litigation. Uh, with uh, you know 23 years of experience, um, I find that you know most of the time the plan sponsor wasn't proactive, and uh, you know those are going to be the ones that are going to have to pay tens of thousands of dollars in penalties, corrective contributions, and huge legal bills. And you know. I understand, you know, I'm from New York. We are not laid back people. I, I find that people, you know, other people around the country, maybe California, other people out West, they are, 
more laid back than a New Yorker ever will. Uh, you can do that in life. You can't do that in life as a 401k plan sponsor. You know, even if a plan sponsor uses a TPA, a financial advisor, a risk attorney, they are still on the hook for liability connection with anything in the plan uh, that you're doing as a plan fiduciary. And, you know, you can't treat a 401k plan like a piece of furniture. You can't, you know, put it, you know, set it up in the room and, and just forget about it. Um, and the problem with daily valued 401k plans is that any day there could be an error that happens and that doesn't get detected later. You know, a, a retirement plan, especially a daily value 401k plan, is like a, a really sophisticated piece of machinery. Um, you know, it will it will break down, you know, a lot more often than sophisticated pieces of machinery. Um, a 401k plan sometimes is like a Yugo when it comes to dependability. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if the plan sponsor is not proactive. Of course, first thing that plan sponsors really have to do to be proactive is review fee disclosures. You know, I remember back in the day when, you know, I was one of the outliers in the retirement plan space going back to 2010, 2011. I was one of the ones who spoke up and the need for fee disclosure. And I forgot the guy's name, but there was a guy, his name was, I think his name was Dave something or another. It, it was one of those groups, it was one of those industry groups that I think got gobbled up by the ARA. Um, and anyway, wasn't David Ray? I, I, I don't know. Well, anyway, there was somebody for the uh, industry who was, how do I say, if you said anything critical of the industry, you were labeled by him as a hater. Um, I remember this guy, um, he got an email back. Um, that contains um, some comments from a financial advisor that I highly respect. And uh, it was, you know, uh, critical of the industry. And I think that Biggie in the industry saw it and said he was completely offended by those comments and whatnot. But, you know, prior to 2012, prior to the fee disclosure implementation, you know, you would hear from people in the industry how this was a bad thing. This was terrible. The industry is going to suffer catastrophic, uh, you know, contraction of business because plan sponsors um, are going to want to terminate their plans. And I, I think when people, I, I'm not big with gloom and doom people, um, which is kind of funny because, you know, back when I was in law school and back when I started out, uh, working in the industry, I was a pessimist, and I, I think right now I'm more—I would say an optimist. I could, you know, when you have a Larry David type uh, view of life, I don't know how optimistic you could be. But I believe that nothing is the end. You hear all the time in politics, you know, uh, when Trump got elected, oh, this is the end of America, you know, and four years later you heard that about Biden, and you know, twelve years before that you heard that about Obama. You know, nothing is the end. Uh, and the industry, quite honestly, in my opinion, has thrived thanks to fee disclosure. What, what it has done is made fees obviously more transparent and more competitive. And, uh, you know, uh, the problem with fee disclosure still to this day is the fact that most plan sponsors ignore them. They take these fee disclosures, put them in the back of the drawer, and that's the end of it. And, you know, I always tell the story, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm speaking here uh, from the basement, well, the living space in my house, I have a high ranch, and I speak to you in an area 
that unfortunately has to been has been renovated uh, about two or three times thanks to flooding issues. And, uh, two times for flooding issues and one time for just aesthetics and kind of we had like one of those, you know, bottom of a high ranch. It, it kind of like looked like a maze because uh, 40 years ago there was a, a dentist who used the house as an office. So we had to unlock the maze and fix it and then we had a couple of floods. But when we, you know, when we hired somebody to work on the house, we didn't go and check the prices out. Uh, we found one person that we liked, we hired them, and it was a disaster because we didn't really know exactly how much the pricing was. And it was just terrible. Uh, shame on us uh, for not doing a better job in terms of um, getting the right pricing. Um, and, uh, you know, we were out money because we hired somebody who was obviously more expensive than other people. Uh, and we paid for it. Uh, as plant sponsor, you know, they don't have that luxury. Um, you have to, you know, as a plant sponsor, go and, and take these disclosure forms and shop the plant around. You don't have to hire somebody else, but you need to know whether the fees you pay are reasonable for the service or provider. And the only way you can do that is to research it. Go out in the marketplace, shop the plant around, go look at the 401k averages book, do something. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, uh, it's important for the plan sponsor to understand what reasonable plan expenses are. It doesn't mean it's got to be inexpensive or the cheapest plan provider out there. It's all about reasonableness for the services provider. You want to, you know, plan sponsor wants to pay more for a, a bigger service or a better service, like a 316 uh, administrator and, and whatnot, they can do that. Um, next, have your plan reviewed. Um, the problem with, uh, any 401k plan is when it comes, when it comes to compliance errors is that too many times errors only discovered many years later, thanks to a IRS or DOL audit, or especially when the TPA is replaced, all of a sudden the audit or when there's a TPA replacement, that's when you discover where all the bodies are buried. You know, when I get uh, contacted for plan errors, it usually and starts with, so we replaced, uh, you know, so-and-so as the TPA, and this is what we discovered. Um, you could, you know, plan sponsors really could avoid that by having their plan reviewed by an independent retirement plan consultant or an risk attorney. This is the point where I'm supposed to cough. That can go a long way to detecting plan errors before they become bigger issues. Uh, detecting errors, uh, you know, sooner than later uh, may allow um, some more cost-effective correction methods out there that can't be used when the plan is under examination by the IRS or the DOL. Perfect example, um, you know, you have a failed test. Uh, you know, the, the easiest correction is to do refunds to highly compensated employees. If the, detect the error is not detected until years later, uh, the plan sponsor would be out of luck and would probably have to would have to make a corrective QNAC, which is obviously more expensive. Um, you know, like with health, early detection is a big deal of avoiding greater harm. And so that's why I recommend that plan sponsors get their plans reviewed. I do a, a retirement plan checkup. I call it the retirement plan tune-up. I charge $750, $750 to review a plan top to bottom. And unfortunately, quite honestly, over the last, you know, 
12 years, I, I might have done about five or six of these because, again, plant sponsors are just not proactive. They are reactive. Um, you know, one example of a retirement plant tune-up that went well was, you know, uh, determining a, a plant sponsor that they were paying uh, an excessive fee to a financial advisor who wasn't doing their job. Um, of course, it's important uh, for plant sponsors to having their errors fixed. Uh, any errors that are detected by the plant sponsor or on the plant sponsor behalf should be fixed. Um, you know, plant sponsors given a bill of what it would cost to fix an error. Um, you know, a lot of times plant sponsors, you know, don't want to pay that. They think they can play a game of what I call um, audit chicken or audit or an audit gamble by taking the chance that the plan won't get audited by the IRS and the Department of Labor. Uh, I would never play that game of audit chicken or audit gamble because I don't gamble and I hate to lose. And, um, you know, the other part, of course, is that plan sponsors that are not in compliance, uh, if the errors are of substance, uh, a good CPA will fire a client that refuses to fix, you know, any of these errors. Um, you know, obviously fixing plans through voluntary means and voluntary programs are going to be less costly than errors that are discovered during a plan audit. And, you know, again... I love Las Vegas. I don't gamble. I hate to gamble. Gambling is a bad idea. Um, in terms of playing that audit gamble slash audit chicken, you want to bet on the, you know, you want to bet on the football game and throw some craps, and you know you can do that. Um, the odds may be against you, but if you're gambling, you know, twenty bucks or a hundred bucks or whatnot, and you can afford it. No big deal. Uh, when you are gambling the retirement plan assets of your employees and you are on the hook potentially for uh, civil uh, and for personal liability, you know, that's not a gamble I, I would recommend taking. Of course, another way for a plan sponsor to be proactive is stressing the importance of enrollment plan education meetings. Again, I, I, I stress that, you know, most of these enrollment education meetings are as fun and as interesting as a funeral. Uh, plan participants do avoid these meetings a lot because they find them boring. And I think that you need to, you know, plan sponsors need to make sure that plan participants are engaged and will attend. Um, I think that uh, it's important that these meetings be held on a consistent basis uh, in connection with the plan's entry date for new participants. Uh, it's also important that the advisor to plan sponsor hires uh, to work on the plan, you know, helps conduct these enrollment and education meetings, uh, but, you know, also in a, a way where it will connect with the audience and for them to understand and be engaged. Uh, you know, not every advisor out there knows how to connect with participants. Uh, so I think it's important for a plan sponsor to actually hire one. Next on my list is um, getting input from employees. Uh, I, I, I've never worked for a company where, you know, I was asked for my input on the 401k. I, I, aside from that story that I've told a million times about the HR director and Meyer Swazi, who I saved from a whole lot of trouble and then just didn't listen to everything else and whatever. But outside of that, I, I never had an employer ask me for my input on the 401k plan. 
um, and I worked in the Florentine industry. Uh, I think most plan participants are never asked. Um, I think that it's important to engage participants to gauge their uh, opinions of the 401k plan. Uh, I think plan sponsors forget that it's an effective tool to um, to recruit and retain employees. Um, so I think that you know if you want to use that tool properly, you know have a suggestion box, put somebody on the retirement committee who may be an employee. Um, you know. If you don't know, if the plan participants don't tell you, if you don't ask, they won't tell you. Um, you may not, you know, plan sponsors may not want to hear those answers, but I think they need to, to avoid trouble down the line. Um, and, you know, last but not least, um, to be proactive, I think that the, you know, plan sponsors should just implement some features that, you know, just make sense. Uh, for example, choice is a good thing, and too much choice is a bad thing. The allowing uh, of participants to make after-tax Roth contributions is a no-brainer. However, there are still so many plans out there that don't offer it. Um, I still think that, the, you know, I, I know most participants can't afford a Roth feature uh, just because of uh, the tax burden on the middle class, but um, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great opportunity. It should be offered. Um, you know, it, it's just it's just a feature that somebody may want to add. Um, they might want to, you know, devote all of their salary deferrals or just a portion to the after-tax uh, part of it. If the participation rate is low and they may negatively impact how much highly compensated employees can save for retirement, a plan sponsor may also want to consider an automatic enrollment feature. Um, I think that that, you know, automatic enrollment to me, it's a funny story about automatic enrollment. First time I heard of automatic enrollment was I think in 99, uh, in those days it was called negative election. Uh, it started from, I think a revenue ruling, uh, dealing with a certain, I want to say fast food restaurant that, uh, wanted to automatically deduct, uh, for uh, money for participants um, and put it, you know, in the plan if they didn't uh, opt out of the plan. They called it a negative election. The problem with negative election, I hated it. I thought it was something, you know, uh, I, you know I said this is something out of communism. And the reason I hated negative election was because there was no fiduciary relief for plan sponsors. So that meant that any money that went into negative election, you know, automatic enrollment, it's still, again, it was negative election. Um, any monies derived from negative elections were just put in a, uh, in a stable value or money market accounts. Never put it in a balanced fund, really, shouldn't have been, because there was no fiduciary relief to uh, the plan sponsors. Because, you know, under 404C, the plan, uh, at the time, the plan participant had to affirmatively elect uh, their investment election. And of course, in 2002, that changed uh, with the Pension Protection Act. Uh, and um, the allowance of automatic enrollment became part of the code. Uh, was blessed by the uh, uh, code. And it did allow some fiduciary relief to the plan sponsor through something called the QDIA. 
Um, and the funny story was I became a convert, and I started to really love automatic enrollment. And the funniest part of automatic enrollment was I contacted my the powers that be at this producing TPA that I worked for. And I said, this is something that we should, you know, wrap our arms around. Uh, it's a win-win. We'll help plan sponsors out, increase assets. We make money on assets, it raises revenue. And, uh, of course, uh, that was 2002. Um, it's now 2021. And my joke, of course, is I still have not heard back from them on this idea of mine. Um, that's my joke. But, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, these new type of features and, you know, anything that's going to cause interest and in, in plant participants to, um, you know, actively uh, be involved. And I, that's how I see automatic enrollment. I, I see it as an opportunity for plan, um, for plan participants who are automatically enrolled to start being interested in plan and then being uh, actively involved if they like the education that they're getting the plan. So... Hope that you uh, enjoy this episode of that 401k podcast and join me for next week's episode. And don't forget all of our events at that 4 for further information. Thanks. Take care.